Good morning, guys. It's great to have you guys join us on our online service this morning and Sunday. And uh, we just trust you guys can have a really good time with us. And uh, we'll continue online until further notice, until the government uh, lifts the restrictions on church life. And for those that have been attending church, it's been great seeing you guys. And thank you. We've, we've really been blessed in our services. And God has done an incredible thing in people's lives. So I want to encourage you all to make a turn. Um, but as we always say, you know, safety first. I've entitled my sermon a very simple this morning, From the Pit to the Palace, and I think for most of you, you would have guessed what I'm preaching about this morning, or who I'm preaching about this morning. Um, but before we get there, let's just open in prayer this morning. Father, I want to thank you this morning for your amazing love towards us. I want to thank you, Father, that your word says that there's nothing that can separate us from the love that you have for us in Christ Jesus. And we just, we just want to say we love you back this morning, Father. We, we love you with every fiber of our being, and Father, we repent of our waywardness, and we repent of anything that has caused you pain and harm. And Father, we pray that you hold it by your Spirit, that you'd lead us and guide us, and help us to live a life according to your will and purpose and plan for us. Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you'd come. I pray that my preaching, my teaching will not be with wise and persuasive words this morning, but I pray, Holy Spirit, that it would be through the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and for every person who's listening, that you would touch your heart in an intimate way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're, we're in the craziest season of our lives, and we've said that you know thousands of times, and for most of us, we don't even understand why 2020 existed. It's just been an absolute um, nightmare for us. Not just a nightmare, but it's been a real challenging time for many of us. I think it, it doesn't matter who you are, uh, how spiritually you are, how connected you are, whatever it might be. It's been a challenging time. It has been a time where we've had to spend time with with, with people, we've had to be um, socially uh, distanced, we've had to be able not to see our family and friends and, and loved ones, and so um, it's been a challenging time for many of us. I, I just found that in the season this week, I started reading through the story of Joseph, and I think it starts at chapter 37, and it goes all the way to chapter 50, but just reading it, I started to, to realize this week that so many people... Um, build their life on one chapter of what has happened to them. And, and let me explain a bit what I'm meaning to you. Because so often we, 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 we read a book and the book goes in chapter, 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 and then there's the end and then there's a the story. And so the first few, you know, chapters read to us what's happening in the story. Then we have the whole contents of the book. And towards the end, we have the conclusion of how the story ends or how it doesn't end or whatever it might be. And I think for many of us, we find ourselves in the season where we almost think that the season of this year is like something permanent in our lives. We, we, we don't understand why the economy is collapsing the way it is. Well, we do know why it's collapsing the way it is. Um, but we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through. We don't understand the job losses. We don't understand the, 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 the fights we've had with family and friends and loved ones and church members. And, and so it's been a real challenging time for many of us. But I want to encourage you this morning not to get caught up in one season or one chapter in the story of your life. I think there's so much that God wants to do in my life. And as I start to read the story of Joseph, I'm really going to paraphrase. I'm not going to read, you know, all 13 chapters to you. But I want to paraphrase a little bit on the story of Joseph. And you've got to understand that Joseph was born to Jacob and Rachel. Rachel was Jacob's second wife and she had two sons. She had uh, Joseph and Benjamin. And uh, very late in life, she had kids. She wasn't able to have kids. And the first wife, of course, pumped out 10 sons. And so the first 10 kids were from the first wife. And Rachel had two, Joseph and Benjamin. But the word carries on and says to us that, you know, Joseph was Jacob's favorite. Because he was born late in years. Because Rachel never ever thought she could have kids. And, and this kid came along. And, and, and he had incredible favor with his father. This is Joseph. 
um, the brothers read and enjoy the attention that the dad constantly gave Joseph and, and so there was always that little bit of animosity as you read that the brothers really didn't enjoy and it wasn't just the fact that it was uh, the stepbrother in a sense because it came from a different it came from a different um, a mom there was always a bit of tension because the dad treated Joseph differently and, and we see this even when, when he makes Joseph a coat and he makes him a multicolored coat and we all know the stories and we've done the Bible stories of this kind of stuff but he almost exalts Joseph above the rest of the family to add injury to insult, David, uh, Joseph wakes up one morning and he says, well, you guys, you know, I had this incredible dream and in this dream last night we were cutting wheat and, you're, and you're, you guys were all bailing wheat and, and all of a sudden your sheaves, your, your bale of, of wheat bowed down to mine. And the brothers were not impressed with this. You know, you saying we're going to bow down to you or you're going to be our servant or you're going to be our, I mean, or you're going to be our Lord and Master. This is not going to happen. And of course, a little bit later, you know, Joseph wakes up and he has a second dream. And the second dream, he says, you know what? I see the sun and the moon and uh, 11 stars bowing down to me. And uh, the brothers were really ticked off to such a place that the father even got involved. He said, just, you know, but just like, keep it calm, you know, just relax a little bit. You know, it's, <laughs> you're causing a little bit of chaos in the midst of this thing. But the story carries on where uh, the brothers were out in the field attending to the goat or the sheep or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, Jacob sent Joseph off to them and... And when the, when the brothers see Joseph coming along, they plot to kill him and plot to destroy him because of the, of the chaos that they feel that Joseph had brought into the family. And we all know the story. They grab him, they throw him into a pit, they sit down, they have a meal, and as they're having a meal, they see there comes a caravan of camels. And so they stop the caravan of camels and they sell Joseph to um, the owners of the caravan. And he gets sold off in Egypt. And uh, what the brothers then do is they take the this, this special robe that, uh, that Jacob had given Joseph and uh, they, they carry it a little bit and then they cut it a little bit and they throw some blood on it and they go back to Jacob and say, look, uh, you know, your son Joseph is dead. He's no, he's no longer with us. Um, and of course the father's devastated, the mother's devastated in what is happening. Um, we find that at that, at that time, Joseph must have been about 17 years old when all of this happened. And the word says that he could sell to a prominent man, actually the pharaoh, the ruler of the land, a man by the name of Potiphar. And uh, Potiphar takes him in and, and he does really well in his job, he works hard and, uh, and he gets promoted and one day Potiphar's wife decides, well, you know, this is a real nice little young man, I think I'm going to lure him into my bedroom and uh, she tries to get Joseph into a bedroom and we all know that as she grabs Joseph, the word says he turns out of his coat and he just runs and he's like, he's not getting involved in this. But Potiphar's wife goes one step further, she goes to Potiphar and she says to him, well, you know, this guy, he tried to have his way with me, so this is not good. And uh, we all know the story, the Potiphar takes Joseph and throws him in prison. Um, and even in prison, even in prison, the captain of the prison has incredible, um, gives or gives Joseph incredible favor. We makes him second in charge, where he then, Joseph then helps um, the captain of the prison to take care of the other prisoners. Well, then he goes one day, um, the king, the pharaoh is really upset with the, the butler and the baker, and he throws them both into prison, and when they eat the prison, the captain says, Joseph, these guys are under your care, take care of them and sort them out. Um, in, the, in the stint of time, I think it's two years, um, they both have a dream, and, and of course, the first, the butler has his dream, he says, you know, this is what happened, and this is what happened in the dream, and, uh, you know, uh, Joseph interprets the dream and says to him, you know what, the king's going to release you, don't worry, everything's going to be fine, and, and with that, the baker jumps up, and the baker says, yeah, no, I've also had this dream, and what does my dream mean, and uh, three baskets, and, and Joseph says to him, well, unfortunately for you, in the next three days, the, the king's going to have your head. And so it happens exactly that, that uh, the baker loses his head and, uh, and, uh, and the butler gets released back into the service. And 
few years later, we find that uh, Jones was still in prison and um, Pharaoh wakes up. He has this dream of, of cows coming out of the water and eating each other. And I want you to go read the whole story. It's, it's all there. And, and he looks at his most trusted men and he says, yeah, who can interpret this? Who can interpret the dream that I had? And, and nobody, you know, can interpret the dream. But the butler, in, in, at this point, had forgotten that Joseph had helped him and Joseph was in prison. And, and one day, Joseph comes to him, he says to the king, he says, listen, you know, there's this guy, I had a dream, you put him in prison, remember Joseph, the guy tried to have his way with your wife. In any case, this guy can interpret dreams. And uh, we know the story, he calls Joseph and he says to him, Joseph, you know, come here. And he explains to Joseph what he saw. And Joseph said to him, well, you know, there's going to be seven fat years and seven thin years, seven years of abundance and seven years of drought. And I suggest this is what you do. You need to appoint a man uh, in charge of all these kind of things. You know, say five, five, or five, or five out of seven um, percentage of of the wheat. Don't sell it. Store it up. And uh, we all know the story. Um, you know that Joseph gets appointed to this position, and so he becomes the second in charge in all the land, and he only answers to Potiphar. Um, incredible story of journey of the 17-year-old kid that was in from a pit and then became too IC to Pharaoh in all the land. He had control of everything. He ran the barns, he ran the storage barns, he made sure that everything was saved, um, the wheat and everything was saved. And just as Joseph had mentioned, you know, that they had the seven abundant years that is happening and then all of a sudden, boom, the strike hits and all of a sudden they're in a really bad place. Luckily for them, Joseph has stored up barns and barns and barns and barns of, of wheat. And uh, Jacob says to his boys one day, they're in the midst of the drought, and he says, do you know something? I hear in Egypt, I hear there by Potiphar, that they are selling wheat. I think I need you guys to go. I'm going to keep Benjamin with me, but you other 10, you guys go, and please just go and buy some wheat so that we can survive. And the story goes on where, um, you know, as they come into the town, Joseph recognizes his brother straight away, but they don't know who he is at all. And uh, he calls him one side, and... And now they've come to buy wheat and all this kind of stuff. And he asks them a little bit about themselves. And they say to him, well, our father is Jacob. And, uh, you know, uh, we're from two different wives. And um, our younger brother is dead. But we have a baby brother, Benjamin, that's still with us. And he tells them the whole story. And while this, at this point, they still don't recognize that who Joseph is. And uh, we know that Joseph uh, messes around a little bit in a sense. And he says, oh, you guys are spies. You guys, you guys are spies. Um, you know what? This is the story. And so he breaks it down for them. He says, well, this is what you need to do. I need to see your father and your younger brother. And uh, he sends one of them back and he says, you need to come back with your father and your younger brother. It's a long story. He hides a cup in the wheat and it, it's, it's a massive story uh, what happened. I want you to go read the story. But at the end of the day, we know that they all come back. And they have to come back because one of them went in prison. And they bring the brothers back and they come and they start to share a little bit. Or Joseph starts to share a little bit about who he is. And eventually he reveals himself to the brothers in, in, in Egypt and he says who they are. And uh, I've paraphrased it because I really want you to, to go read through it because I think it has an incredible outcome, not just in, in his life, but it puts a real perspective in where we are um, in the season that we are. Because you see, so often... We, we want to take one isolated event, and for me it could be 2020, it could be COVID, it could be the year where the church nearly closed, it could be the year where we nearly lost our jobs, it could be the year where, you know, everything fell to pieces for us, it could be the year, you know, where we lost our companies and we don't understand what is happening in the season that we're in. But there were three, three, three key areas that I want to just mention to each and every one of you today, and, and these are the things, the three keys that I noticed in Joseph's life. Because right throughout the whole story of Joseph, there were, there were a few things that, that 
that really stirred something in me. Um, and one of them was that he never held, let me, let me put it this way, three areas in your life that I believe you need to really look at. Um, firstly, the thing that surprised me most about Joseph was when he was a kid of 15 or 16 years old or 17 years old, we're not exactly sure, but he was one that came up with the dream that God had given him. And, and I realized something as I listened to the story or and I read the story of Joseph, that so many of us never fulfill our purpose and our plan and our destiny because of the fear of man. Now, let me explain a little bit to you what I'm saying here. Because you see what happened was that, that Joseph had these two incredible dreams. Now, you and I both know that if we have that kind of dreams, he knows what the interpretation of the dreams are. He, he understands how he goes to his brother in the first dream. He says, I object you guys all bowing down to me. Um, but he could have kept that word for himself. You know? And then he has another dream and he shares that. And even his father rebukes him this time. But it was a word or a dream that was in season for him, a word or a dream that God needed him to share with his brothers. Now, we can get stuck right there. And you know, uh, if Joseph had never shared those dreams, we don't know what would have happened. We don't know if he would have been thrown into a pit. We don't know if he would have been sold to the caravan. We don't know if he would have ended up in, in Potiphar's house. But all we do know is that as soon as Joseph releases the prophetic dream that he has, it's almost like the cogs of life start to go into motion. It's almost like his whole life that he had to journey um, starts, the cogs start to turn. It's like almost his purpose starts to be laid bare in front of him. And you don't understand that, that it is sometimes the most difficult thing in life to share a word that God has given you, especially if you're going to benefit from the dream. And some people might think, are oh, you just arrogant or you're just rebellious or, you know, let's take for example, let, let's take for example, um, my gardener comes to the church next week and he sits in front of the elders and he says, well, I know you guys employed me as a gardener, but last night I had this dream and in this dream, all of you were bowing down to me and you were all giving me your money and your cars and your house and he walks out. Now, when there's an eldership or steering team or any solid everything with really, him, this guy's lost his mind. This is madness. Why? Why would we bow down to the God? Why would we bow down to someone that we're employed to clean the flower beds and to cut the grass? Why would that happen? Um, and then the next day, the guy just comes back and says, Oh, by the way, you know, steering team and leaders, I'm, I had another dream. And in this dream, you know, uh, we were working here and I saw all of you, including Chantal and so-and-so, bowing down to me. Immediately we think, we just brush off and go, you know what, this guy's crazy. Maybe he should find another job because obviously, you know, he's in some sort of rebellion or some kind of rebellion. Um, he's definitely not sharing uh, our hearts for this church and he hasn't got the same mind and set as, as we do in this church. And so we might probably get rid of him. And that's exactly what Joseph's brothers did. They just thought, you know what, this guy's arrogant. He's a spoiled brat. He gets everything from his dad. And boom, they get rid of him. The incredible part of the story is this, is that I think so many of us hold the prophetic word that is in us because of the fear of offending people. So many of us hold a godly word that is in us. So many of us hold our own dreams and purposes and vision. Ransom, because we don't want to share it with others. We, we think, oh, they're not going to like us now, or, or, or they're going to think we're arrogant, or you know, we're boastful, we're just full of ourselves, or we think we're holier than the outcome and stuff. But there's one thing that as I read the story, I realized something, that that very release of a prophetic dream, even just to his family, was the very catalyst that set his life in motion. And, and for many of you, you're sitting on a word that you've never shared. You're sitting on a prophetic word that has come your way or somebody has given you or you've had prophetic dreams and you've never been able to, to share it out of fear of how people would think. And you've got to understand something that sometimes we need to share. 
Sometimes we need to share the prophetic word. Sometimes the word isn't easy. I've received people, a uh, word from people that aren't easy. Um, we have come home and I've almost been disgruntled and bitter and think, who the hell is he to say that to me? Who the hell is she to say that to me? Kind of stuff. But you see, you've got to understand something that God had a purpose and a plan, not just for Joseph's life, it was for Jacob and his 11 sons' life. There, there, was, there was a journey that was starting. There was a period, I think, of 22 years where all of this took place. And I think many of you, and you and I get so frustrated because the more we realize that God's timing is not our timing, this is what frustrates us. We are a people of instant. We want it now. We want God to turn things around. We want God to, um, we want to pray now and tomorrow morning. You know what? The miracle's got to be at our front door. Uh, we, we, we don't want a journey. And often as I read the story, I started to realize something, that there are certain things that we have to journey in our lives. And as I read this part, and I chatted to Chantal a little bit about it the other day, and, and, and chatting to uh, even my kids and on the journey that they're on right now, how when we look back at our lives, we found key moments, not just good, bad moments, disappointing moments, moments where we felt that the world was coming to an end, where uh, we had lost jobs, where, we, where, where circumstances had been against us, where we didn't have finances, where you, you know, all the craziness happened. And, and only when we sat around the table and started to chat a little bit about our lives and what we believe God has been doing in the last six months in South Africa, we started to see the bigger picture. We started to see the bigger picture just of, of from the time that I left the police force, their marriage and tell, um, in my kids' life, from the time that, that, that certain things happened in life, moments happened in life where they thought it was maybe a demotion, and yet it was a promotion. But the promotion didn't come the way that, that we thought it would come. And so we had to journey this thing and go, you know something? Yes, I'm going through something right now. Yes, I'm going through a difficult season right now. Yes, I, I, I don't know where it's going. But you've got to understand, this is just a moment in time that you're in right now. You know, in 2025, we're probably not even going to speak about 2020. Think about it. You know, in 2025, we're going to have more grandchildren. We're going to, most of us are going to get married. And we're going to, our business is going to be flourishing again. And things are going to be engaged. And we're going to forget about the season we're in right now. And you know why we, we tend to forget about the season we're in right now? Because we don't want to learn the lessons that we need to learn in this season right now. Somebody said to me, why hasn't God come through for us? You know, why hasn't God answered our prayer? Why hasn't God killed this COVID-19? Why hasn't God, you know, why is this happening crazy around us? And, and at times I have to say to people, you know what? Because I don't think the church is listening yet. I don't think God's people are listening yet. They're seeing this as a crisis. They're seeing this as a pandemic. But they're not seeing this as a period of pause or a period of refreshing or a period where things just need to change my life. Or I need to make some drastic steps. And, and we're going to stay in the season in 2020 or in 2021 until we make some changes, because I really believe that, that the return of Jesus Christ is really soon. I really believe that God wants to get his house in order. I really believe that God wants to get our houses in order. I really believe that God wants to get the church in order. And so, yes, we go through a bump. Yes, we don't know if we're going to pay salaries at the end of the month. Yes, we don't know if we're going to pay the bond at the end of the month. But this is not a sentence that we're on. This is a journey. And, and we've got to move past where we are right now. We need to move past the season where we're in. Just as Joseph prophetically had to declare something, and as he declared it, it put the wheels of his life in motion. Maybe God is just waiting for you to declare that prophetic word, that prophetic dream that he had over you, that prophetic um, 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 word that somebody prophesied over you. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, that is the very thing that God's waiting for. That as you confess that thing, as you speak that thing out, as you speak that word out, as you interpret that dream, boom, all of a sudden, something starts to shift in your life. And sometimes we need to find out what it is 
that, that will start the catalyst or the movement or the cogs going in our lives. The second part that I noticed was most amazing for Joseph is that as you read through these scriptures, there were these words that kept popping up. And, and in chapter 39, these words, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master of Egypt. God was with Joseph. Again, again, chapter 39, verse 21, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the prison keepers. And so it goes on. And every time that he speaks up, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph is not one of those guys that preaches and thus saith the Lord and, and all these kinds of things. But there must have been some kind of an intimate relationship between God and Joseph. Joseph, in this whole episode, let's think about it. Let's think about how you'd feel if your whole family rejected you right now. How would you feel if your, your brothers took you and put you on a ship and sent you off to Pakistan or whatever to go work as a slave? Think about it. Think about how angry you'd be as a dad losing your son in the field and not being able to see his body because wolves or coyotes or whatever dragged the body away. And the mother that she prayed to God for so long for this child. That the other wife had 10, 10 kids and, and Yah pops out her first one and God takes the first one. I mean, this is what she's saying. God took her child. So all of them were in a horrible space. The brothers must have lived in their guilt every single day. Did we do the right thing? Did we destroy our father? Did we destroy our household? Will this come back and haunt us? We know that Joseph out there somewhere is a slave. So he carried on. But as we read the scripture, we never heard Joseph questioning where he was with God. We never heard Joseph questioning God in what is happening in my life. Why are you doing this to me? Why did my brothers hate me? Why did my father reject me? You know, why is my business collapsing? Why do I find myself in this place? Through every step of the way, these words were there in the word, and the Lord was with Joseph. Now, whenever I read that thing, the Lord is with Joseph, it must speak of an intimate relationship that God had with Joseph, and Joseph had with God. And I often think about this. I often think of how intimate is our relationship with God. You see, we can't just want to be God's friend or God's child when things are going really well. And, and when everything falls into place and the big contracts are being signed and, you know, we've got a new car and a new house and all this kind of stuff. It's easy to serve. It's easy to serve God when things are really going well. But imagine serving God from the pit. Imagine serving God being walked behind this caravan of camels all the way to Egypt. Then be stood in a market and, and being picked out, like being sold for like next to nothing. Then go work for a pharaoh and, and you're doing so well. You're just committed and you feel like things are just falling into place for you. And things are getting so much better, Kurt. And you may think, my life's doing good. And then all of a sudden, boom, here comes a false accusation against him. He didn't even have time to defend him. And he finds himself back in the prison again. And, and even through all of this, Joseph never questioned God. He never, he never threw a tantrum. He never, he never did any of it. He just did what God had told him to do. And it didn't matter where he was, that there was a purpose that needed to be fulfilled. If it was in the pit, he fulfilled the purpose. If it was in the prison, he needed to fulfill a purpose. If it was in the palace, he needed to fulfill a purpose. If it was in Potiphar's house, he needed to fulfill a purpose. And how many of us are really fulfilling the purpose and the plan that God has for our lives? And you are only going to discover the purpose and the plan that God has for your life through an intimate relationship. That when you and God fall in love, that He's the God of the impossible. When you've got nothing, He's the God of the impossible. When you've got everything, He's the God of the impossible. When you're sick, He's the God of the impossible. When you're healthy, He's God of the impossible. God and our relationship should never change according to our worldly circumstances. 
This should never change. My love for God is because He first loved me. I did nothing to deserve that love. I did nothing to earn that love. I, I, I didn't throw myself into a fiery pit. I didn't go hang on a cross to show Jesus how much I loved Him. No, He did it all for me. And so my relationship with God is one out of love with God. You are my everything. I don't care what's happening around me. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the COVID figures say. I don't care what the economy is happening right now. Yes, those things are important. But God, can me and you just stay like this? Can I just stay at your feet? Can I just stay in your presence? Can I just stay in your word? Can I just be the man that stays in prayer? Because it doesn't matter what Joseph did. Even when he was in prison, God's favor was upon him. Even when he was in the pit, God's favor was upon him. Even when he was interpreting dreams, God's favor was upon him. It says that over and over and over again that God's favor was with him, that the Lord was with him. And I want to say to you today, church, God is with you. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I want to say to you, God is with you. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He's not cursed the world. He's not going to destroy the world. He's not going to bring an end to it right now, all this kind of stuff. God's main focus in this world right now is still you and the relationship that the two of you have. And so often we get thrown off our, our horse because of circumstance. We get thrown off our horse because of what is going on in the world around us and the finances and our bank balance and our marriage, all this kind of stuff. And you cannot do that. You see, it doesn't matter what you face. You might, one day you might have a million, the other day you might be in a million rand debt. I don't know. But your relationship with God should not change. Why? Because there's a blessing that comes upon it. Because when we stay in an intimate relationship with God, the Word of God says, and that God was with Kurt. And God was with Kurt when he went through the sickness. And God was with Kurt when he went through a financial crisis. And God was with Kurt when he couldn't pay salaries. And God was with Kurt when his car broke down. And God was with Kurt when he lost his daughter. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. And in the principle of Joseph, God never, ever, ever let him go. God stayed with him and God continued to bless him where he was. But you've got to accept the fact that where you are right now is where God wants you to be. You've got to get that. And many of us miss that because well, we're going to serve God better when we're in a better financial situation or in a better job. No. If you can learn to worship God where you are right now, and some of you might be in the pit right now. Yes, some of you might be in prison right now. Some of you might feel like this is the end of your life. Some of you might be have con contracted COVID and you might think I'm going to die right now and how's my life going to work out and I'm going to provide for my kids. You're going to a place that God never desired you to be. Because even where you are right, even if you are COVID-19 positive, God has not left you and he has not forsaken you. He is still with you. And it might feel like a prison to you. It might feel like a pit to you right now. But when we say, God, it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what I journey. I want to know, God, that this, me and you, it will never change. Because my relationship with you is both on the love that you have for me and not on the circumstances that I'm facing right now. The third thing that, that really grabbed a hold of me, and it was this, that, uh, that even through the craziness, even through all the hardship that Joseph went through, at the end of the day, and I want you to turn to chapter 45, and I just want to read a little scripture to you, because now we, we pick up the scripture where, where uh, the brothers had gone, and they had now come back with the father, and Benjamin, and everyone was there, and... Uh, and Joseph, in a sense, reveals himself to his brothers. But I'm going to pick it up somewhere in verse, in verse 1. It says, And then Joseph could not restrain himself before all of those who stood by him 
and he cried out, Make everyone go out from here. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And as he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it, then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brother could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near to him. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Wow. Speak about one of those moments. Speak about one of those days that all this time waiting for his father and his brothers to come there. He never revealed himself. They never identified him. And you see, this is the problem with, with people that have betrayed us in the past. Sometimes they don't see our true identity. They don't see who we really are in God and the calling and the purpose and the plan that God has for lives. And you've got to understand that often it's the envy from others because there's a calling in your life. Or God has a special plan or a purpose for you. Or God has called you to the nation to be a worship leader or to be a pastor in, in Europe or whatever it might be. You see, people get envious. Whenever people get envious, they forget about who you really are. You see, you're not a worship leader and you're not a pastor. You're not a father and you're not a mother. You're not this businessman. Firstly, you're a child of God. You see, what you do doesn't clarify who you are. It's who you belong to that clarifies who you are. And even Joseph, even after all this time, 20 odd years, the first question he says is, is my dad still alive? And how is my brother doing? Can you imagine that moment where God chooses to reveal to the nation, to the people around you, who you really are? But you see, you will never get to who you really are if you've got envy and bitterness and strife and hatred towards other people, or even towards family, or even towards other believers, towards other pastors. Verse 5. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Verse 6 says, And for these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me, sent me before you, to repair prosperity for you in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. That is just incredible. And, and, and I, want to, I want us to get this in, in this closing few minutes. That, that even though he, she had every reason to be bitter, every reason to be angry, every reason to, to seek revenge, he says, guys, I want you guys to forgive yourselves for what you guys have done. Because what you did has actually caused me to lay out prosperity before you because I know for the next five years there's no plowing and harvesting. That's incredible. That, that he can have that level of forgiveness towards his brothers. That he said, hey guys, let, let's forget about this. Let's, let's forgive. Let's move on because God has placed me here for a reason. Verse 8 says, and now it was not you who sent me here, but God and he has made me a father to Pharaoh, listen to that, a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. And what he was saying to his brother is this, you need to forgive yourselves. You need to move on from your mistake. Yes, your mistake has, has challenged me. Yes, your mistake has, has challenged you in the way you guys have lived. But you've got to understand that Romans 8 says that God works all things for the good. And we see God working all things for the good. Yeah, from the pit to the palace to provision, not just for himself, but his entire family would walk in forgiveness that Joseph released on that day to his brothers. Wow. Sometimes we forget that in order for us to move forward, we need to forgive. 
we need to release, we need to move on. And there's not just a blessing for us that when we forgive and move on and release people, but there's a blessing for them if we understand that God has sent us ahead to prepare the way. He says, to, for me to become prosperous so that you, you that sold me to the slaves, would prosper from what I had journeyed. Don't you think that so many people will prosper from your story? How many people will prosper from hearing the word of God from you? You living a life that pleases God. You being a man or a woman that, that constantly hears the voice. And God found favor with you. God found favor with him. God found favor with her. Why? Because she was able or he was able not to carry heaviness and resentment in his heart. As much as this is a story of, of provision. As much as the story of uh, God going from the pit unto the palace. For me, the story of Joseph is all summed up in chapter 45 here, where Joseph comes to the place where he says, you know what, I'm blessed because God loves me. I'm not here because of any other people. I'm here simply because I believe that God has placed me here. Very simple in clothing. One, never hold back a prophetic word or prophetic dream that God has spoken into your life. Because it could be the very catalyst that could keep you going forward. Two, never forget right, that, that God and Joseph had a relationship. A relationship that was so meaningful that Joseph could interpret deeds, but more than that, that every time he did something, the word says, and if our God found or Joseph found favor with God, God was with Joseph wherever he went. And thirdly, we said this morning, it's so important that God reveals the purpose and the plan he has for you, but he cannot move you forward until you release forgiveness in your heart. Now I know in closing that a lot of us carry a lot of bitterness in our hearts. A lot of us you know, don't understand why certain things happen, why certain people have hurt us, why certain people have said what they've done, and why certain people have done what they've done to us. But at the end of the day, it's not about us, it's about the journey. And I think when you and I come to that place to understand the journey, not just one chapter in our life, just not 2020, but when, God, when you start to remember what God did in 2015 and in 2012 in your life and 2019 and what God's about to do in 2022 and 2023, and you start to see the book in its entirety, something starts to shift in our lives. And I don't know what chapter you're on in your life right now. I don't know what you're journeying right now. But I need to say to you, it's just a chapter. It's just a season. And your actions going forward will determine what the future looks like. Are we able to release a prophetic word? Is, is that, is God called, are we holding something back? Are we holding something back? Are we able to walk in forgiveness? Are we able to say, man, you know something, I, I, it doesn't matter what you've done to me, I release forgiveness towards you this morning. And mostly, start to walk in the purpose and the plan and the calling that God has for you. Nobody has written your final chapter yet. Only God can do that. But I pray that as you go from chapter to chapter in your life, from season to season, that God will continue to bless you, that God will continue to stir things in you, God will continue to bring things up in you. And God only brings things up in you when He wants you to deal with stuff. And, and, and just like the story, there was going to come a day, whether we liked it or not, where the brothers would face Joseph. There would come a day where the prophetic word that He spoke 20 odd years before that would come to pass. And there would be a day where God was able to encourage Joseph to release such forgiveness to those that have hurt him that the whole land started to prosper and his family started to prosper and Joseph started to prosper and he called himself the father of Pharaoh. Imagine that name, from the pit. 
from the pit being sold by your brothers to being the father of the greatest man on the earth at the time. And if God can do that to Joseph, God can do that for you. So I want to encourage you this week. Just allow God to speak into your life. Stay encouraged. Be strong. Be faithful. It doesn't matter what the media says. It doesn't matter what the president says. It doesn't matter what everyone else is saying around you. You know there's a calling in your life. You know there's a word that you need to release. You know there's people you need to forgive. And you know that God has a purpose and a plan and a calling for your life. And so I want to pray a blessing over you today. I want to pray that God will move in your life in such a way that it will blow your mind in the next week or two to come. And so, Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you that we're able to stand here and enjoy your presence, able to stand here and read your word and, and just learn from these incredible stories that, that are in the Bible. Not stories, that, that they're things that happened, Father, and they're still happening today. And it might not be with Joseph, but it might be with someone else. And, Father, I pray for wisdom. I pray for discernment. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you show us where we need to release forgiveness, where we need to release a prophetic word, where we need to move on, where we need to move away from people. Even sometimes it's for a season. But more than anything, I pray that you start to reveal to the world and the people around us who we truly are. But more than that, may you reveal to us, ourselves, the calling and the purpose and who we are in Christ Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory. Amen. Guys, have a blessed week. Remember Wednesday evening at half past seven, we'll be having our midweek madness slot. It's, it's been amazing. We've had young men share and it's been just incredible time. And so I'm going to pray safety over you this week. I want to pray God's blessing and favor over you this week. And I pray that you walk in the fullness that God has this week. Be safe. Be careful. We love you guys. See you soon. Amen.